0: Thank you, Adonai. Adonai, as, 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 um, as I believe the word you gave me is from heaven, Lord God, to share. I pray, Lord God, that it's, it's your spirit, Lord, that enables the word to go forth, and your spirit that enables the word to be received, Lord God. We're approaching Shavuot, which is Pentecost, when you gave your gift of the Holy Spirit, which is you, you yourself within us, and we each have you within us. So may this not be some human rabbi talking to a bunch of humans, but may it be the spirit of God within me talking to the spirit of God within the people, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that as as the message came to me, I pray, Lord God, that it comes forth and it is you and has nothing to do with, um, with how I can humanly Present the message, Lord God. May, may your spirit be greater than my ability to articulate or to be eloquent, Lord. because um, your words give life. Eloquent human words is just letter, but the spirit gives life. So I pray, Lord God, that your spirit moves, that your spirit speaks, that your spirit does things far beyond my ability to articulate anything, Father. In Yeshua's name. Amen. Thank you, Lord God. So <laughs> Praise the Lord. So in, in Judaism, Judaism very often will define its eras, its periods of time through the temple. The temple, the te- what's in Hebrew is the Beit Hamigdash. Let, let me explain. In Judaism, they'll talk about the first temple period era first temple period they'll talk about second temple period they'll talk about post temple which is where we are now. so they define their 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 periods their time their eras through the temple that was standing and the reason for that is the temple of god that was standing Now we know in jerusalem there's no standing there's just a pretty much a wall right now and and People from all over the world go there and they pray by the, the, the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall. Um, but when there was a temple standing, it was, it was, it was more than just a, a temple. It was, wasn't just a place of worship. The temple was the fulfillment of God's promise. It was a standing visual edifice which when people looked at it, they knew that God's presence was with them. They knew that God fulfilled his promise. They knew that God's provision was with them. It wasn't just a place of worship. It wasn't just like maybe a church or a synagogue is where, you know, you go there once a week and you, and you go home. It was there, it was, it was tangible and, and, and viewable And the promises of God go all the way back, even to the times of Moses and the Torah, when he says, I'm gonna establish a place for my presence. And there you're gonna commune with me. And then a few generations later, through the leadership originally of King David, and then through the building of his son, Solomon, this thing was built, this temple, this edifice was built. And it it was glorious. God's presence was there. And people knew it because it stood there. So it, sim- it, was, it was symbolized God and the fulfillment of all he spoke. And it's, it, it symbolized God's presence, his provision, his promise all there within that structure. And then it crumbled. It was destroyed. It was taken away, leveled to the ground. And the people were put into exile. And and maybe we can relate to that. Because I think one of the lessons of that is how personal it can be when, when God fulfills a promise in our lives. And we see it. And we can touch it. And hug it and kiss it. And we're so grateful because we know what we came out of and we know what we've been praying for. And now all of a sudden we have a fulfillment of a thing. We have God coming down and building something sometimes in our lives that's real. And its its presence signifies his presence. It signifies his love for us, that he's heard our prayers, that he's with, that he's with me, that he's, he's with me, that he hasn't forsaken me. And then sometimes that, that thing crumbles in our lives and maybe somebody here recognizes this and maybe there's a word for somebody here that this thing this what was a fulfillment of god's promise and i've received you've received as a fulfillment of god's promise and it was there and it was real just crumbled to the ground and it was destroyed and not and like yeshua said of the second temple not one stone was laid upon another and how how very sad is that i think people with failed marriages sometimes can, can really understand that because in the beginning of a marriage, there's so much promise and the two are together and they become one and there's a, it's a fulfillment. And that relationship and that union is a fulfillment of, of what God has promised. And the fact that it's there is, is you, you can see it, that God is with you. It's a fulfillment. It's real. And then when a marriage crumbles and, and destroys, it's like it's like the, 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 the promise has been taken away. It's like the provision has been taken away and we're left into a place of exile. That can happen even with, with relationship, not even marriage relationships. Maybe you've sewed in and invested in a relationship, even not, not a romantic or a marriage relationship. And that, that relationship, maybe a close friendship, gets destroyed and now it's crumbled, like that temple was crumbled and you're in a place of, of, of exile. Or maybe it's a ministry or a job. and That was this job, was a fulfillment of God's promise. And then it was just taken away from you. And maybe a lot of people even now when we're dealing with the coronavirus feel like some of the provision of God, the things that we held on to that, that made us believe that God is with us in our lives has just been ripped away from us and crumbled to the ground like a temple that is destroyed. And all we see now is is rub, rubble and we're put into exile. And when we're put into exile, you know, there's so many different viewpoints that we see in the scripture of, of, of the exile the, when we were when in, the, in Hebrew, it's galut, galut. Everybody say, even though I won't hear you, galut, galut. That's that's the word for exile. It's when God puts us into this different place, you know? Like, he was there with us, and now we're in exile. It's galut is, is the Hebrew word. And it's, it's a time, it's originally of grieving. We see that sentiment in the Psalms when the people were being... Uh, taunted while they were in Galut, while they were in exile, and they were saying, come on, sing us some of those songs. Sing us some of those songs that you used to sing back when you were in the land of Israel. You know, let's let's hear what, how you used to celebrate. And like, how can we sing? How can we sing when God's promise was taken away, when, he, when, when his provision and the, 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 the place of his presence was destroyed and here we are feeling like we're alone. How can we sing the songs of Zion in a foreign land? Anybody ever feel that, feel that? Like you're in this place where like God's, his, his, the place of his presence seems to be removed from you. And how can you sing? Where is my voice to sing? That's the, the sentiment of the song. And it's a place of, of so many varying thoughts and emotions. Galut, exile, we, we cry and we look back into the way things were. And, and we want things to go back into the way things were. But we also have another, another part of our thoughts and our prayers that, you know, maybe God is something else and something different and something greater maybe. And, but I can't go there. And, and maybe I'm just too afraid to go there. So I, I long for the past. I don't know what the future is going to hold. And that's what the children of Israel even dealt with when they were in exile. Um, when, they were in, when they were in exile, when they were in galut Galut. And maybe we all relate to that right now but there's um, a prayer that happens in exile, that he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us. And even while we're crying and we're looking to the past and we're saying, man, I wish we, I just had that back. God is still speaking from heaven. It, it may be so hard to hear because we're so sad of what's been taken away, But he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. There's a a prophecy of the next house he will build. The glory of the latter house will even be greater than that of the former. And isn't that encouraging? Because the people of Israel received that prophecy while they were in exile from the prophet Haggai that there's another house coming. We know that this place of provision was destroyed, but there's another house coming. And I got news for you its glory will even be greater, greater than what we had in the beginning originally. And other prophetic voices come in where where in in this place, when we feel that God's provision and his presence were taken away from us. Prophet Jeremiah said, you know, when you're in exile, prosper, this is so important. God God said through Jeremiah, when you're in exile, when you're in this place of Galut, Exile, prosper right where you are. Seek the prosperity of the land that you've been exiled to, which and if you know, if you think of this place that we're in when we're dealing with the virus and and being you know sheltered at home and all these things, if you want to consider that place a place of galut and a place of exile, listen to the voice of Jeremiah. Seek the prosperity of where you were exiled to, he says this in in Jeremiah 29, seek the prosperity of where you were exiled to, build, he says, plant, get married, have children, have families, be blessed right where you are. So yes, it's sad and yes, we look back to the temple which has been leveled, the place of provision and the the, the place that we saw as as God loves me and God heard me and that place was leveled and now I feel alone but that voice from Jeremiah that says, prosper, prosper, live long and prosper right where you are, right where you are and seek the prosperity of the place you were exiled too, so important. And that voice, that voice maybe a still small voice, but it starts to get louder that there's another house that is being built. Its glory is greater than the first. And the, the sm- dismay and the sadness starts to be replaced with expectation and excitement, timid excitement maybe, maybe timid excitement. Maybe excitement that's a little meshed with a little fear because you, you took a risk back then and you entered into a relationship or you took that job or whatever it is that got leveled, not one stone left upon another. But now you start to get a little bit of, a little bit of hope and a little bit of courage to see what that ladder house looks like. I think that the church, the body of Messiah at large, the, the body of Messiah, the congregation of Messiah, the church, whatever you want to call it. I I think we went through that. I think we're going through this. You know, if the Jewish people define their time periods with first temple period, second temple period, you know, is it possible that the church went through its first temple period and this virus has kind of leveled that? Because it kind of feels that way, doesn't it? You know, we had this first temple, we had mega churches, we had packed houses and, and people like, you know, pressing in and, 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 and coming to these big, big, huge buildings and, and celebrating there. And then churches having building funds to make new campuses. And it's just build, 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 build. And this little in, invisible little thing, this little mic- microorganism leveled it, leveled it. And now these big edifices are empty. And I think churches and and synagogues and congregations, they're like, they're in this place of Galut, they're in the exile. Now what? But that spirit from Jeremiah, I felt it. I felt it as a rabbi. I felt it as a rabbi of our congregation because I know how we are as a congregation. And we're a touchy, feely, huggy, lovey, hug you congregation, you know? Like that's how we are. We're just, it's, it's, it's so much about, the unity that we have and all of us together is the strength of our congregation. And I remember uh, like the first week and the first two weeks when we just couldn't meet together any longer. And I was in this room that I'm here now and we weren't doing the Zoom meetings yet. And I was just streaming a Facebook live message. And I think some of them were fairly good sermons. They certainly had uh, a lot of likes and shares and all that kind of stuff. And then I remember that's after that second time, I, I turned off the camera, I finished the sermon and I started to weep. I started to weep. You know, I, I, I that, that feeling of being in exile, galut, really started to really be real to me. And, and I was like, you know what, this, this just be going into a little bedroom and pushing out a sermon and calling it a day. That's not community. That's not, that's not going to keep us together. And I really felt alone and I was crying. And But that spirit from God, because those words from Jeremiah, oh, I so believe they're being spoken even in this day. Seek the prosperity from the exile. Seek the prosperity of where you're exiled to. Build. Plant, get married, like we saw Bob and Paula get married. Have children, expand, prosper right where you are. And, and all of a sudden I got this encouragement. I'm like, you know, let's do this. We can do this. We can do this as a community. We can get together. And I don't see any other congregation having their Shabbat services on Zoom. I see people having you know, their prayer meetings on Zoom and things like that, but their, their Sabbath, Saturday or Sunday services are like a push of information and that's it and bless bless them for what it is but we can do this we can get together and we can hear each other and celebrate and 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 bless each other and we can do this and and i just want to say to everyone here i'm, I'm so grateful that we're able to do this that we're able to get together during this time and see each other and, and hear the testimonies and hear uh these words of encouragement like when bob shared this little piece of paper that was dry in the rain that says jesus loves you um and the folks that were uh, that were led to the Lord by, by Judy and all the other testimonies and, and, and hearing each other and seeing each other. It's, I'm, I'm so grateful for, for, for that we have this. But the other side of Galut is when the voice of Nehemiah arises. Because the people that were in exile in Babylon They were there for 70 years and then all of a sudden something came over Nehemiah, Nehemiah. If you wanna know about Nehemiah, you can read a book and the book is called the book of Nehemiah. I know you said it. Where Nehemiah got word that the people that were still living in Jerusalem were suffering and the walls of Jerusalem were broken down. Now it's been that way for 70 years, why now? Why now all of a sudden he's like, let me talk to the king, it is time to go back and start to rebuild this thing. We heard the prophecy that it's prosper where we are in Galut, in exile, and we've been doing that. But now Nehemiah heard another voice. Another rising up in his bones and in his spirit saying, it's time, it's time to build. It's time to go back. It's been this way for a long time, but those walls are broken down and that temple is destroyed. And I heard a prophet who's my contemporary say that that glory of the latter house is greater than the former. Let's start the process of building that thing. One brick upon another, not in a haughty way, you know, you can rebuild in a haughty way. You know, when 9-11, September 11th happened, 2001 in New York City, and the, and the towers came crumbling down, you know, there was, a, of course, the the, the the rallying cry from the government, and I don't blame them for saying it, like, we're going to rebuild, we're going to rebuild bigger, and we're going to rebuild stronger. And then I remember Rabbi Jonathan Cahn, long before he wrote the book about it. saying you know that's that's in line with what happened in isaiah chapter 9 when um israel went through some devastation from the persians and they said the same thing we're going to rebuild stronger we're going to build bigger trees and bigger buildings and god said it was arrogant arrogant to just come up haughtily before god's timing and say we're going to be bigger and we're going to be stronger but that's not the spirit that happened with nehemiah because his desire to build was in line with God's timing for the rebuilding. And he started building, not the temple at first, just the walls, brick upon brick. And I have to say, are we in right now a Nehemiah moment? And just maybe to bring this back to the personal, are you in a Nehemiah moment? Is it the time for the spirit that spoke through Nehemiah Those words, like it's time to rebuild. We're in Galut, we're in exile, but it's time to build. And not just, not bigger, not haughtily, but humbly. Not haughtily, but humbly. And not bigger, but maybe better. Not bigger, but maybe better. And maybe God is speaking to you in your life for that that thing that relationship, that job, that ministry, whatever it is, that person, that something that represented to you, that God fulfilled his promise in your life, that crumbled down to the ground and put you in a place of exile, is God saying right now, it's time to go back to the land and start the process. Start the process to rebuild. And I speak now over the body of Messiah at large. Is it time now? Is the spirit of Nehemiah speaking? Is it our Nehemiah moment? Not to just look at the past, not to want what we had. Do you know why? All right, I'm about to lose my mind. Do you know why Haggai said the glory of the latter house is greater than the former? Do you know why? The glory of the latter house is greater than the former do you know why all right i'm starting to preach now do you know why the glory of the latter house is greater than the former it's not how it looked you know there were people that saw when the second temple was done people looked at it some people wept because it didn't have the majesty that the first temple saw And even in Jewish writings, and in extra biblical Jewish writings, they said that even the Shekinah of God wasn't as powerful, they thought, in that temple. It didn't have the same glitz and glamour and flesh and pomp and circumstance as the first. It didn't look the same. Yet the prophet said the glory is greater. So if it didn't look as cool, if it didn't look as great and as elaborate and as ostentatious, maybe, if it didn't look that way, if it didn't present that way, why was the glory greater than the first? There's only one reason that the glory of the latter house is greater than the glory of the first, because it's in the second temple that Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah, walked in that temple that is the only reason why the second temple's glory is greater than the glory of the first because jesus walked in it that's why the glory is greater so church so body of messiah so, community of Messiah, congregation, are you ready for a second temple that doesn't look like the first? It may not be as flashy. It may not have many seats. It may not have any people in a big structure. We may not have to buy, like, you know, where the, where the Lakers play and, and use that as a church. It may not be the same, but Yeshua walks in it. Are you ready for a second temple that Yeshua walks in? so the glory can be greater than the first. Are you ready in your life for what's destroyed and you're in a place of galut? but you hear the word that the Nehemiah moment, the Nehemiah moment that says, it's time to go back. Are you ready to start the process to build something that Jesus walks in? Come on, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I think we are in a Nehemiah moment to start the process to go back and assess and see what the second temple looks like where Jesus that Yeshua walks in. Remember on Shavuot, on Pentecost, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit wasn't poured out on a building. It was poured out on you. You want to see Jesus, Yeshua, walk in the second temple. Well, where is Yeshua today? He is within his people. So you want a place that Jesus walks in. You get up and you start walking in that temple. That's how you get Jesus to walk. Where where Jesus lives in you, you walk and Yeshua is walking in that place. So you want a second temple that has the glory because Yeshua is walking in it. You get up and you start walking the ruach was not poured out on a building it is time to redefine the fine, the word church not as a building as a place but as the people that the holy spirit was poured out on in the first place praise the lord and i speak prophetically over your life right now if this is speaking to you in, in that type of way where um where where, where you, know, you felt that there was something in your life and it was destroyed and that was a beautiful thing. It was a, fulf- a legitimate fulfillment of a promise of God, but it was ripped from you. Rubble, not one stone left upon another. I speak over you right now that the Nehemiah moment is upon you. It is time to rebuild, not bigger, but better. Not haughtily, but humbly before our God. And not all at once. Remember, Nehemiah didn't go back and start building the temple. He just built the walls. That's all he did. Little by little. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, we are counting the Omer in this time. Today is day 37. Tonight at sunset will be day 38. Which means Monday night into Tuesday is day... 40, I don't know which way you see me, of the counting of the Omer. And day 40 of the counting of the Omer is a special day, is a special day in the counting of the Omer. Why? That is the day that Yeshua ascended to heaven. That happens this Tuesday, Monday night to Tuesday night is the biblical day that Yeshua ascended. And why did he have to ascend? Why couldn't he just stick around for an extra 10, be there with the people at Shavuot, at Pentecost and receive all the glory? Yeshua had to ascend, so Yeshua can ascend in the people. And if he didn't ascend, we never would have a body. He would never have a body that is worldwide, that can change the world with him living within each, instead of just one Yeshua. Now we have many with Yeshua living within them that can change the entire world he had to ascend so Yeshua can ascend in you. So you want a second temple where Yeshua's walking? That he walked in? Start walking, Yeshua. Start walking. It is time. I believe this, that voice that Nehemiah heard is being heard today. So I speak that blessing over you. Today, Um, I want to share in conclusion, I want you to be the first to hear what we're going to do on Shavuot. We are going to have a service at Shavuot, at Pentecost, but it's going to be very, very different because we're going to do it in in the confines of the laws as they are today in Rhode Island. So, but God's appointed times are his appointed times, and we're going to meet. This is how we're going to do it. Legally, this is how we're going to do it. So, the day, and this will start to become in the start to be in our announcements, which means that Lauren will receive it in her first email. Um, This is what it's going to look like it's going to be on Thursday night, May 28th. That is uh, the start of Shavuot, Uh, the Jewish Shavuot, even though it is Pentecost, they're the same holiday uh obviously in judaism and, and for us as well we do it based on the torah which is the day after passover and moving on 50 days rather than uh in, in the churches. i think it goes from day after easter or easter to pentecost at 50 days so they diverge uh, sometimes they align but anyway so shavuot is going to be on when on thursday night may 28th so almost two weeks from now uh, or a little less than two weeks i'm sorry a little less than two weeks from now We're going to go at 6 p.m., Thursday night, May 28th, 6 p.m., we're going to go to Lighthouse Church, as we always do. However, you're going to have to stay in your parking lots, in your cars, in the parking lot. Stay in your car, in the parking lot. I'll be in the building. Just listen. I'll be in the building. we will have a worship leader in the building and a few servants uh, in the building. Uh, We can't legally have more than five right now. So stay in your cars and the worship leader and me will fill the place with worship. We'll um, live stream that so you'll be able to see it on your phones from your cars. But definitely come in your cars and you can watch that. But then when the time comes, I'll open the door, blow the shofar, and one at a time. We'll make a total of five people in the place. One person at a time will come in. I will speak a blessing over you socially distant, and I will anoint you. And this is how I want to anoint you because I feel it's important. We spoke about it in one of the previous Torah portions and I feel it's really important for this time. The priestly anointing, which is the right ear, the right thumb, and the right toe. So feel free to take off your shoe when you enter into the building. So I can anoint your ear, your thumb, your toe. I will be on your side. I will cover like that. So to be to to the spirit of having, you know, like a mask on if we're in close proximity, but I won't even be in front of you. I'll be on your side. And that's how we're going to do it. And between every anointing, I'm going to wash my hands fully, fully wash my hands. So we'll do it according to the law. And that's how we do it. And then that person will leave and another person will come in. So that will be our Shavuot, because I think it is important to get that anointing. At this time, because Shavuot, Pentecost, very, very important this year. Very, very important. Especially as we begin the process of hearing the words from heaven, start that process to rebuild, not to something bigger, but to something better. Bless the name of the Lord. Yeshua's name. Amen.